Is it true Hawaiians hate American tourists? I wouldn't say hate. I would say that it is disturbing sometimes. Yeah. It's like if you're driving on the highway and you kind of deal with those kind of a-holes that are on the highway. It's kind of the same feeling. So the first property I went in on was a condo. We ended up buying a condo for 300000 We put about 30000 into it. Um, in 30 days, the renovation was quick. We sold it in 15 days to cash buyer and I netted $103,000. Wow, sign me up. All right, welcome back to the Digital Social Hour, guys. I'm your host, Sean Kelly. Here are my co-host, Charlie Cavalier. And our guest today, real estate expert, Zasha. How's it going? Hello, everybody. Man, real estate's been something I've been slacking on, so I'm excited to talk to you about it. Me too. How, how did I've, you get I've, started? Like, Well, I started working as a civil engineer for 10 years and then was those one of those typical people who were working 60 to 70 hour weeks and looking for an alternative of, I wanted to quit my job. It wasn't something that I was passionate about. And uh, started like any millennial, started Googling, you know, how to quit your job and get rich and mm. found real estate. And it paid off. Yeah. Became a millionaire off real estate. <laughs> Civil engineer. What were you What were you making? I was making 60000 a year. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like, what oh. were you designing? Oh, so I did underground utilities mm -hmm. for hotels, subdivision, shopping centers, and wow. it was a real strenuous job that sounds like a lot of work for 60 a year i know and that's pre-tax right mm -hmm. so that's like 40. yeah i mean and, and, i mean that's, that's that's a very degree heavy job a lot of neither one of us can do that job let's put it that way <laughs> yeah no i couldn't <laughs> yeah engineers i mean you got to respect engineers though um, i immensely they're, they're really smart they keep us alive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, roadways and stuff so i focus mostly on transportation so traffic signal design highway design okay and i mean i grew up on an island so surprisingly i mean we still have mm. some of those bigger roadways mm. which to island? work on too on maui oh in hawaii mm -hmm. now i've heard the u.s transportation system isn't the best compared to other countries is that true no like efficiency wise mm. well maui is in the usa yeah no yeah. i'm saying like oh. the u.s as a country <laughs> like the railroad system is outdated yeah and they've been working on like a 10 million dollar rail system forever and 10 million yeah that well, doesn't sound like a lot well <laughs> for the whole country well, <laughs> <laughs> well on a, a small island it's a oh, lot in Maui, yes, right. okay. yeah yeah and california's been talking about building the train to go north south for what 25 years now mm -hmm. yeah now they're building a hyperloop right i believe so yeah i feel like that's efficient and then i'm in nashville where they literally do not have public transit mm -hmm. because the property values all got too high downtown nobody wants to give up their commercial you know real estate location to build a bus station or a you know a rail transit or something right. like that isn't there one in like asia that's super fast train i believe oh, like a bullet train a bullet train right? yeah yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah i wish we had one of those man right. so where do you see or how did you go from civil engineering to real estate and did the civil engineering aspect of all of your knowledge start like influencing how you invested in real estate definitely i think for me being able to run by a schedule and being able to budget for these big you know 17 million dollar projects mm -hmm. helped me with the smaller projects and the aspects of 
running a team or managing contractors because we were doing it on such a high level that when I took on these projects myself, it was a little bit easier. Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And what was the first property you went on, in on? And was it alone or were you with a group of people? So the first property I went in on was a condo. And because I didn't want to worry about the structural components of the roof and uh, the flooring and things like that. So whenever you buy a condo, the HOA, the Homeowners Association, is in charge of maintaining the exterior. So essentially, it's just like an interior renovation, but we removed all the cabinets, we ripped everything out and then basically put it back in all new. And for me, because I was still working full time, I didn't want to go and buy like a huge fixer upper. I said, okay, maybe I'll try this real estate investing thing, see how it turns mm -hmm. out. And because condos are a little bit cheaper than regular homes, it yeah. was less of a risk in my mind. And so we bought, we ended up buying a condo for 300000 we put about 30000 into it. Um, in 30 days, the renovation was quick. We sold it in 15 days to a cash buyer, and I netted $103,000. Wow. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Down. Well, that's what where the light bulb was because mm -hmm. I was only making 60000 as a civil engineer right. working yeah. like hundreds of that hours. In one month. <laughs> yeah. So you made my husband told me, like, why don't you just do that? I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, wow. Yeah. So fix and flips, mm -hmm. those I've heard are risky though. They are, yeah, because, depending what market you're in. Yeah, so if some, you're in an appreciating market like California, Hawaii, uh, some parts of Florida where, or New York, mm -hmm. you know, those expensive markets, the potential to make more profit is a lot higher. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I've seen times on TV shows where they buy a house and then it's like infested or something, like all this crazy stuff can mm -hmm. happen, so you never know. Well, that's why I started with condos. Even my first rental was a condo because really? I didn't want to really deal with any of that. Yeah. It's that much more of a headache to deal with the house than a condo. Because it's just more money, so you're risking more, I think. Well, and a lot of times, depending on what state you're in, there's a lot of issues with permitting. So I bought a house that I'm sitting on, and this is like one of the nightmare stories that nobody likes to talk about, but I've had to hold on to this house for two years, paid mm. holding costs, a mortgage, and everything. That's a fixer-upper that needs to be demoed, and then You have to demo the whole thing? Yeah. Why? Because it's in a... Uh, well. First of all, the issue we ran into was it's in a historic area, even mm. though it's in the middle of a residential area. It's in Wailuku, which is considered historic. So it has to go through the State Historic Preservation Division. Jeez. So that's what's holding it up right now. And they're just taking their time. Wow. <laughs> Two years later. Whenever you have to deal with the state or county offices, there's no limit. They'll set projected dates where they have to review, but they just keep extending. So that's wow. why it's really important to know the permitting, how the permitting flow goes yeah. in whatever county, city, state that you're investing in. That seems in. so inefficient. Like there <laughs> has to be a better way, like online or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it is most everything you do in Maui or in in, in Hawaii in general? Majority. So I started. Uh, fixing and flipping in 2019. And then just last year, I ventured into out of state. So I do have a couple of flips here out in Vegas. We just opened our first midterm rental. So that's where I'm staying now, which is nice. kind of exciting. Now I know why people have multiple properties, you mm -hmm. know, second homes, because it's kind of nice to just go into a home and it's yours. You can yeah. do whatever you want. So. so you were in Hawaii your whole life? Yeah, I born and raised in nice. Maui. Hawaiian food's good, bro. <laughs> I, I, I used to go it's funny I used to go to Maui every December for the Pacific Rim conference with my family so mm -hmm. uh, it's beautiful nice. like, I'm, I'm super jealous like it is the most beautiful place in, in the is. country I just been. got asked I got asked a few times to move back out to not move back 
I got asked a few times to move out to Vegas mm. for some opportunities to yeah. be, you know, take over some businesses. And I was like, well, I'm already where I want to be. Nice. So you're already where most people want to right. be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and making a good living. Yeah. Can't complain on the beach sipping a pina colada. Right. Now, it's not it, actually what I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it true Hawaiians hate American tourists? I wouldn't say hate. I would say that it is disturbing sometimes because they don't understand a lot of the cultural aspects. And, you know, we are very, the spirit of aloha is very eminent throughout the islands yeah. and respect and just taking care of the land, not littering, those types of things and just being courteous. Mm. You know, have you ever Common tried sense. to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's like if you're driving on the highway and you kind of deal with those kind of a-holes that are on the highway, it's kind of the same feeling sometimes. Interesting. When the history isn't as pleasant as we all want to pretend like it was, like mm -hmm. we essentially colonized Hawaii for sugar plantations or there were certain plantations yeah. that were in Hawaii, I think it was sugar plantations, mm -hmm. right? And so it's not exactly like it was like a peaceful kumbaya, let's all come together and be one country. It was like, you're a strategically located island six hours off our mainland. Let's put a military base there. And by the way, we own you now. Right. Mm. And there was a bunch of like bombings on the islands as well. Really? That happened with the military. Mm. And so before Hawaii was a sovereign country mm -hmm. and then they, we were overthrown. They put our queen, locked her up in the their uh, her home mm. and then forced her to sign the treaty in order for us to become wow a part there was of a queen there at one point yeah. i didn't know that no, a kingdom kingdom of really mm -hmm. just took all that away, we took it away yeah <laughs> because uh we wanted pearl harbor really right. i mean amongst other things it's a military but, base because that was closer to asia well it's the furthest i mean unless you're gonna go all the way to midway hawaii is the furthest main island in the pacific that's at all reachable with one tank of gas and an airplane from mainland yeah. the united states wow so back to the real estate stuff, a lot of people <laughs> don't know where to start, like including us. I mean, I just feel like, did you have a mentor or anything when you got started or you, you just did it on your own? Yeah, so I bought my first flip and rental. And once I seen the cash flow and the profits, I was like, okay, hey, I got to figure out a way to do this full time. And so when I had done my first couple of projects, I was working full time. I was running to Lowe's on my lunch break, Home Depot. I was meeting the contractors after work on the weekends. I was doing dump runs, like driving the, the loading truck. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I just created another job and that's not what I wanted. And so I had found out about Ryan Pineda who lives here in Vegas. I had joined his mentorship. He was just starting off one. So I was one of the first students is in, in his mentorship. Mm. I'm actually here this week for his mastermind. I'm going to be speaking at it on Wednesday. Nice. But the first mastermind he ever had was on his couch. There was about like eight of us in the room and we all kind of did a hot seat wow. type of thing. Now it's like thousands of people go there wow. and it's you know, Brandon Turner is going to be on at this one as well. Yeah. So it's turned out to be a pretty big thing and proud of him. And also he takes care of the people who've been in with him, you know? Yeah. So you just attributed time. the success to being part of the right group of people. Yes, definitely a, a network. And then through being surrounded by people that are already doing it gave me the confidence to know because I was still hanging on to my job, even okay. though I made like more than I did right. at my job in 45 days. I was still like, oh, what about my health insurance? And what if this what if I just got lucky? You right. know, what if the market tanks and had all these worries and fears. But once I seen other people doing it at the scale they were, I was like, OK, I could do that, too. So from that first flip, you reinvested that money into more flips and just yeah. kept it going. Mm -hmm. And now do you take out loans from banks and stuff and just use other people's money? 
Yes. So I mostly use private money, which is from everyday people that have a savings. There's no qualifications that you need. You just need to money and mm-hmm. then you sign a note and lend it on other people's projects. But I found that to be helpful because it's more flexible. Mm-hmm. If you work directly with a bank or say even a hard money lender, which we still use, we do various things, but they have a lot of terms like you have to meet certain DTI qualifications, you have to have a certain credit score, whereas private money is just based on your relationship with that person. Mm. And I've been able to raise like over a million dollars just off social media in the last year. That's very Yeah, that's, that's been helpful too. It's yeah. a lot of money. You could buy a few houses with that. Right, yeah. 20, you, do you do the 20% down payment model or do you do less? Uh, less, yeah. I was so, actually going to ask, what is the least amount you have ever put down percentage-wise? Zero. To buy ha- zero? zero? Yeah. You got to tell us how you do Wait, that. Yeah. <laughs> I use all private money. So what oh. we... No, but you use some oh. of their... So like, what is the least amount? Like, so if, if the house was worth a million, right? Just, I like round numbers. Right. What is the least amount of dollars you ever put down to buy a house? Oh, okay. So you're talking about like getting creative with the... Yeah, may, like maybe you only like put that. 3% of the total value right. down. Right, yeah. Or, so when starting off, it was about 3%. Okay. How? Because I was buying my... Like for my own home and yeah. then would move, sell that. Like uh, almost like live in flips. Yeah, your first home is 3%, right? Right. Yeah. There's like a law. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use that. But isn't there a limit on that? Like, you want a $3 million house. I don't think that would work. Right? I think it depends on where you're at and then what your income is. Hmm. So every state is different. Yeah. So I would check the laws. Even for me, I always leverage, like, HELOCs, home equity line of credit, mm-hmm. on my investment properties. But I just recently found out that some states don't allow that on investment properties. They'll allow it on your primary residence, but not on investments. Hmm. So. Interesting. Now walk us through creative financing because I've seen uh, some guys talk about this on social mm-hmm. media. Like they're able to get houses without putting up money, right? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I'd like to learn more about that. Yeah, so there's a few different strategies. I have only used seller finance and novations, but there's also subject to, there's lease options. There's a whole gamut of different strategies. But with seller finance, you basically, if a seller owns a home outright, means it's paid off, there's no loans on it or no liens, then they can basically become the bank and if you say hey i want to buy this house for three hundred thousand, and they agree now they put themselves as the the lien holder Mm -hmm. so the mortgage holder instead of paying a bank you're going to be making monthly payments to the seller and you can agree on whatever down payment that you want Mm. it's up to you so there's a lot of flexibility and why sellers would do that who own homes outright is because a lot of times it's either been handed down through the family and nobody want to do anything with it and it'll just be extra money in their pocket mm. or they have to pay capital gains tax on that income or that down payment that they receive that's why instead of 300 everybody's like oh why wouldn't they just get three hundred thousand dollars cash why would mm. they make a loan to you and it's because a lot of times they'll have to pay 50 or 40 percent tax on that money what are some fees taxes like hidden expenses that people don't think about when they're buying a house that you got hit with on your first one and you were like what is probably that? when you put less than 20 percent down you have to pay a uh, pmi so i think it's a private mortgage insurance mm. and so that ends up being well depending on the price of the home but i think for us it was like an extra 200 dollars a month okay so that was a pretty good chunk of money yeah so if you put down about. under 20 percent, there's a, a monthly fee basically yeah, yeah. You know that? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because you bought your house. Outright. Full, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw you're moving into commercial real estate now. What's the what's the strategy there? 
Well, so for me, because I started off fixing and flipping, I've done over 20 flips, you know, made over a million dollars on that. And it's been very successful. But with the market shifting, a lot of the single family homes or the fix and flips uh, projects aren't turning out the way that they used to. So mm. we're making a lot less money. We're having to pivot and turn some of the flips into rentals now. And uh, it's just not as lucrative as it used to be. So now I'm wanting to be more passive as well. Like right. fixing and flipping is a job. No matter how high up you get, no mm. matter how big of a team you have, even Ryan is still involved in that process and he does hundreds of flips. So it depends on on what you value. And for me, it was like, okay, why did I get into this? I had to take a step back um, last year and was like, why did I get into this? It was to have more time. And I just, again, created another job. I quit my job, created another job. So I'm heavily focused on building up my rental portfolio. I have 17 rentals now in nice. Maui and then out of state and uh, became a part of a um, syndication, started investing in those last year. So it's funny because the terminology changes in whatever uh, asset class or whatever strategy you pick. So a lot of times it, where I'm like part owner of 509 units, I think they would say you have like almost $100 million assets under management, but they really play a small portion in that. Yeah. So I think it's always good too for beginners to realize like a lot of things that people are saying you have to kind of dive deeper into okay what does that actually mean mm -hmm. yeah because you, you can know? own 0.5 percent say you're right <laughs> a lot <laughs> Versus of people do you that can too, own yeah. a, like my my rentals i own myself is 100 percent. or i just bought an rv park with two other partners but i'm 45 percent uh equity owner and then an office mm. building um we just bought a few months ago as well nice. i'm half you know we're 50 50 partnerships so a lot of things to take into consideration is like okay well when somebody says they own something, okay, how much of it do you actually own and yeah, how much cash flow are you getting, right? right? Wait, you and said RV park you own? Yeah. Why so, do you do an RV park? Well, uh, so how I make majority of or find most of my deals are through partnerships, mm -hmm. social media. Like I'm mm -hmm. big on Instagram. I have yeah. over 100,000 followers, not as much as you. <laughs> but um, people come up to me in, in mentorships as well. Hey, Zasha, I have this deal. It's a million dollars. And I've never bought something at this price point. And for me, I live in Hawaii. The medium home price is 1.2 million. So I'm Damn, used to- Damn, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> wow. What does 1.2 million get you in Hawaii? Um, a three bedroom, two bath house. That's Might it? be maybe from the early to- 3,000 square 2000. feet? Yeah, no. No. But are you maybe on Maybe like 1,200. Or are you on the water though? No. No way. Oh, that's not worth it. So 1,200 square feet. We'll call it 15. I like round Yeah, numbers. not a brand new home, just a regular size Built in home. the 70s. Yeah. Three bedroom, two bath, 1.2 million, no land. Maybe 5,000 square feet. Yeah. That's not worth it. Plus the food's expensive there, right? Yeah. It's everything because they got to ship it in. Well, yeah. that's why they call Las Vegas the ninth island because a lot of people start moving from Hawaii to Vegas. There's a lot it's of Hawaiian restaurants cheaper. here, I noticed. Really? A lot. Every street, bro. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hawaiians are big out here mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You got to get to know yourself. I know. I, I need to. And out. so we hear like the last few years, especially since COVID has been crazy, right? I'm in Nashville. It's one of the hottest mm -hmm. real estate markets right now. We hear so many buzzwords about why or people should or should not invest in real estate, right? Interest rates, property values, job markets going this way. Everyone's leaving California to go live in Austin or Nashville or whatever. What is probably the biggest misconception you see out there on social media when it comes to buying or investing or choosing a real estate investment? Mm. 
The biggest misconception, I just see a lot of people losing money because they're just so quick to jump into something. Like right. they see all these benefits and, oh, she made a million dollars. And it was like, okay, over the course of the years and the last few years have been be way better than, you know, what it is right now. Right. So mm. I think to caution people, always run your numbers conservatively. And even if you have a comp, like go even less than that, because right now things are not selling it as fast as they were or for as much yeah. so i think the misconception is like of course even for me i tell people there still are deals out there they're just really hard to find and you need to stick to your numbers right so i don't know that i would think for a new person coming in start with wholesaling start with you know working with an experienced investor adding value to them that way so you're not taking on all this risk yourself yeah when you go into a deal what percentage profit are you trying to hit Probably about 30, 30 to 40%. Depending. Nice. Yeah, that's, very, that's a very good margin. Yeah, yeah very yeah. solid. And you mentioned you have 17 rental properties right now, right? Yeah. I've seen articles that Airbnb is struggling a little bit. Do you see it rebounding or do you think the market's just really soft right now for a while? I think it's really soft because we've seen an uptick during COVID. And so everybody's numbers look great, right? Their P&Ls for the past few years. And like I was mentioning, even for flip profits, mm -hmm. like we all look amazing. But now, since it's slowing down and people are not traveling as much as far as like staying places, they'll mm -hmm. be flying maybe out of the country. It might be cheaper to do that. But I own an Airbnb on Maui. And I think this past month, I've seen a downtick, a pretty big one. Mm. And before I was bringing in probably, and this is a studio. It's a 300 square foot studio. I bought for around uh, 330 and three, wait, wait, hold on. A 300 <laughs> square foot studio that you that's bought like for a third of a million. Just so we're yeah. clear. Okay. That's literally a room. Just want to make sure I got those <laughs> yeah, three. That's is. probably this room. I want to make sure I got all those threes properly in order. Okay. Yeah. So you could fit the bathroom over here, the kitchen over there. So it's like a, almost like a hotel room size. Okay. And uh, we bring in probably about 8,000 uh, gross a month. Wow. So the net ends up being about three grand. Please tell me you can yeah. see the ocean. Oh, the net three. Okay. The peekaboo ocean peek view. Peekaboo ocean. Okay. <laughs> it's got an ocean view at least. Okay. I never... Well, like peekaboo. Oh, like know? far. Yes. Oh, yeah. you gotta. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea. I mean, it was expensive because it's an island, obviously, but I had no idea that it was so exponentially more expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So everyone that has a house there is a millionaire, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Insane. So the Hawaiians are balling. <laughs> See, and that's or they're moving to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's the thing is I often hear about the the struggling you know economy for the locals, mm -hmm. for the people that live there. Same. But now you're telling me that if you want to own a house there, you're spending seven figures. I feel like there's a gap here that I'm missing. Is it just because all of the money that they make has to go to provide for their own housing because it's also expensive over there? Or like where is the gap between Hawaiians are in general struggling to the average person? House in Hawaii is over a million. Mm. Well, that's why they're struggling because housing is so expensive. Okay. So, it, and the gap is that a lot of times jobs are only paying minimum wage or, you know, starting off at 15 to $20 an hour. Mm. So, yeah, because it's all like touristy jobs, right? Right. It's like yeah. service, like Vegas almost. Right. Highly dependent on the hotels and tips and all that. So, if you're not working in the hotel industry, you are probably just barely getting by. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, qualifying for a million dollar home loan is not easy either. Must be tough, right? Mm -hmm. You probably need to make 250K a year. Yeah. So that's why we started. Uh, I started doing uh, affordable housing bus tours. I started teaching people how to go to tax lien auctions or tax deed auctions in Hawaii as well. Because for me as an investor, like 
I, of course, I could always find more deals. It's great to make money, but it's more so about the impact as well that I'm having on the community because I am seeing people struggle. Mm. And if they see somebody, I'm I'm Hawaiian, Filipino, German, Italian. Wow. So I am. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> threw that out from nowhere. <laughs> but I am part Native Hawaiian, so I want to help people see, like, yes, the land was wrong, wrongfully taken, but we are a part of America, and mm. this is ways, different ways that you can buy semi-affordable you know, homes. Mm. And there was just an auction happening on the big island in Hilo where uh, three acres of land was selling for 2,800. Like the starting bids were that low. Wow. Wow. So, that sounds cheap compared to the $1.2 million house right. average. But it's, it's on a different island oh, that okay. nobody, like there's hardly work there. So it would be difficult to, unless you have like an online job. Is there internet? Try to search, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to do. <laughs> but there, um, it is a tax, auction so mm. you have to wait there's a one-year redemption period before you can claim it mm. can come back and pay their taxes a long and then time. You'll be out yeah. of it yeah, yeah so that's... there are some contingencies is what what i would call it to yeah. actually purchasing for that cheap but have you ever gotten like a s insane deal at one of those auctions N uh, i did for my own home but it was a foreclosure auction but not the tax auction oh, okay mm -hmm. so you went to a foreclosure auction and got a really cheap house yeah i got my first house is actually I bought it at a foreclosure auction. I was at the courthouse steps. I heard about like those types of auctions, but I never been to one. Yeah. And so I went to my first one and it was so competitive. Really? Yeah. There was like people eyeing me down. I was like, Hey, is this where we stand for like the auction? And nobody would talk to me. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, you're the I'm enemy. Gonna, you're right? the enemy. So I had to go to a few to figure it out and what they were all doing and how it all worked. Wow. And I ended up purchasing a house in 2018 from there for 400 and I think around 23,000. We put 80,000 into it and our we were going to flip it. But then I didn't know about like the title issue. So it had a clouded title means they're breaking a chain of ownership mm -hmm. and there was an open permit. So you can't nobody's going to buy a house mm -hmm. that has an open permit. On What's it. open permit mean? So that means they started a permit. For like maybe an addition for a home or adding on a section of the home oh. or maybe upgrading, adding a bathroom or something. Okay. But then they never close it. So in order to close a permit, you have to have inspections done on the home. Uh, they have to pass building codes and all that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so if you it, wanted to modify your home, you just can't do that. You got to get a bunch of permission. Well, for if you're moving anything electrical or plumbing. So, and you have to check with your county and state regulations. Yeah, I was going like to say, it varies by state. One of my favorite yeah. stats, I'm originally from California. Mm -hmm. You have to have a permit as a general contractor to build a fence in the state of California. <laughs> really? In Tennessee, you mm -hmm. and I could pop up in my backyard right now and just put a fence just up. Just put a fence up. Yeah, yeah no. in Jersey, we had to get permission, I think, yeah. from the county or something. And so is Hawaii very strict when it comes to what it wants you to do? To, I'm guessing, right? Yes. Preserve everything. Like I mentioned before, yeah. that house that I'm sitting on, that it's a complete teardown, mm -hmm. two years. Just no. they don't want you to tear the house down. Yeah. What do they want you to do? Restore well, it? Well, <laughs> it's, it's historical, right? It's not. It's in the middle of the neighborhood. It's termite eaten. It's falling down, and they just want you to go through the rigmarole and the hoops and loops to, you know. Yeah. I don't know why. And there's and, never just like an accident where the house just accidentally right? falls down or anything. There like are. That? So I've been able to get away with not getting permits and and sell homes. But for this one, the old building inspector lives right across the street. Mm. So oh, jeez, that's been an issue. Now, good luck. Right? Do you run background checks on your tenants? Because I've heard Airbnb will ban you if you have a bad criminal record. Mm. So no, not for Airbnb. Yeah, because they have a good Airbnb. system, right? Yeah. They already ban all the people. And I actually hire out a 
property management yeah. company for my Airbnb because mm. I don't want the daily like answering questions. You know, yeah. I the... go back and forth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm actually wondering what a because I uh, I had a I had a condo in in my college town where I went to, mm -hmm. and the way that it worked with that property management company was I had to give them the first month of the rent from that year, and then I got the 11 months after that. Is okay. that a pretty standard? Did I get screwed, or was that a pretty standard? No, nope, for long-term rentals, it is. Okay. Yeah. So wait, you had to put up all 12 months? No, no, no. So, like, I owned the property. Yeah. I rented it out. Yeah. The, the property management company handled dealing with all the renters, all the everything. Yeah. They received January's rent, okay. and then I got February through December. Oh, so so they their, payment, their payment was receiving the first month of that year's rent. Right. And they got and then, it. And did you pay monthly, monthly nope. fees? Oh, okay. Then that's really good. Oh, nice. Typically, they usually charge you like the first month's rent to like place the tenant. So right. they have to do a bunch of tenant screening, like background interviews, checks, yeah, and interviews yeah. and things like that, walkthroughs. But uh, and then after that, they usually charge you like between 10 to 20 percent wow. a month. So you got a good deal. Yeah, rent. I'll yeah. take it. Sweet. <laughs> Sasha, what's next for you? Where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me at investwithsasha.com or Instagram. I answer my messages. I check that. I love that app uh, at investwithsasha. What's next for me is we just started a $50 million fund that we're investing in debt and equity deals in commercial real estate. So nice. RV parks, storage buildings, um, apartment buildings, multifamily, things like that. I've partnered with a few other people. And so... We're taking that head on because it's going to be a long road. This market is definitely a little bit of a roller coaster, mm -hmm. especially in the single family space. Mm. So, Do you think it bottomed yet? No. Oh, when will it? Who knows? That's no, I want, I want you to know. I think it's maybe in a year or so. Mm -hmm. I feel like right now with them playing with the interest rates and pausing and then going back up, right. it's got people a little skittish, but it'll soon... I think it happened so fast that yeah. we're yet to see the actual impl implications of it. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I learned a lot about real estate in Hawaii. We got to go out to Maui. Yeah, and real estate. Yeah. And next time you hear about some $900 acres for sale in Hawaii, you're going to hit us up, right? <laughs> hit us up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm always looking for lenders. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. I'll see you next time.